Welcome to the Hope Unlimited Church Podcast. We are so honored to connect with you, and we pray that you will be encouraged and inspired by this week's message. Uh, let's get into the Word. I'm going to read one verse to you. We've been uh, on a series called uh, Relationship Goals. Teaching on marriage, uh, for many reasons, is one of my most favorite things in the world to teach on um, because uh, when, when I've never seen pain like I've seen it when a marriage dissolves. I've never seen pain like that. I've never experienced pain like that. I grew up in a, in a, in a home. My, my father and my mother divorced when I was two. My mother was married four, four separate times. Terrible situation. I've never seen kids hurt the way they hurt when a marriage dissolves, when their whole world crumbles. It's, it's devastating. It's hurtful. And if you've been through that, uh, please, I'm not, I'm not saying that from a condemning standpoint. Sometimes there are situations you just cannot avoid. There is no other alternative. That I want you to hear that. Don't get weird. On, did it get weird? Don't get weird on me right now. Y'all all right? You can get weird in a minute. Don't get weird yet. You with me? All right. And so one of the reasons I love investing in marriage is because I've seen how powerful it is. I, uh, I, let, let, let me read this text to you, and, and, and then, and then we'll, we'll get a little bit deeper into this. Go to Genesis chapter 2, verse number 15. And this will be the only verse I read to you. Genesis 2, verse 15. And the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to dress and to keep it. The Lord God took the man, put him into the Garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it. Everybody say, dress it and keep it. The actual translation says that he put him in the garden to cultivate, to dress it, to cultivate it, and to guard it, man had two purposes, two, two assignments. I've put you in this garden for two things. I want you to cultivate it, and I want you to protect it. I've put you, Adam, in the garden, you and your wife, and you have two tasks. You have to cultivate it, and you have to protect it. All right. I spent the first two messages of this series teaching a little bit about how to cultivate it. I talked a little bit about on the first, if the first message, I know you listen to the podcast and you just cannot get enough of my preaching. I get it. I understand, right? It's a joke. God almighty, it's a joke. Tough crowd. Jesus, is the rain got you down? That groundhog didn't see his shadow. Glory be to God, but he's still a liar. <laughs> right? I talked to you about cultivating in the first series. We talked about expectations and how to manage when expectations and reality are not the same thing. Right When you thought they were this, but now they're acting like that. What do you do in that gap between expectations and reality? Last week, I talked to you about man's greatest need and woman's greatest need. Man's greatest need is not sex. <laughs> it's a close second, but it's not the greatest need. See, again, again, everybody gets weird. See what I'm saying? I'm going to keep doing this till you get weird. I'm going I'm to purposefully make it awkward. Talk to me, somebody. Glory to God. That man's greatest need is honor and a woman's greatest need is security. And we talked about how to cultivate that in your spouse, right? If you don't remember, just fake it. Say, yes, it was good. It's awesome. Yes. Cultivate it. Now, I want to shift from cultivating it and I want to teach this morning on guarding it. You with me? If you're a note taker, this is going to be a note taker's paradise. All right. Now, in my experience, I've been pastoring for a long time. I've been preaching for a long time. I've been in ministry for a long time. There is, and, and you might disagree with this, and that's fine. I can't, I can't help that you're wrong. That's fine. <laughs> there is no measure 
too extreme that you can go to to protect your marriage. Let me say it again. There is no measure, there is no length too great that you can go to in an effort to protect your marriage. Now, this whole idea gets mocked and laughed at in culture. Okay, and then they wonder, why is everybody divorcing all the time? I don't know. And let, let, let me let me show you. I, I read this article. It's interesting. Um, our vice president. This is not political. Regardless of what you think about him, that's fine. That's fine. But um, our vice president Mike Pence. It came out that he said that he never has dinner alone with a woman. Right? He's ne- he never has dinner alone with a woman other than his wife, and that he's never at an event where uh, alcohol is being served that his wife's not with him in an effort to protect his marriage. And church people are like, well, yeah. Right. I mean, common knowledge. I found this. I found this article on the Washington Post. This is what the Washington Post said about it. You ready? Pence's unwillingness to be alone with a woman is a symptom of a bigger problem. It's easy to make jokes about it, and it's also easy to argue that this is nobody's business but the Pence's. But there's a deep, troubling worldview at work here. One that has profound implications. And then he's going to go deep on the profundity of those implications. Let's take just a moment to consider this pair of rules Mike Pence has for himself. He obviously thinks that every interaction he has with a woman is so sexually charged that it's safe to be around them only if there's other people there too. Unless someone might be drinking, in which case the presence of a crowd isn't enough to prevent something from happening. Listen, there's little distance between Pence's perspective and that of Orthodox Jews who refuse to sit next to women on airplanes or fundalist Muslims who demand that women be covered head to toe just a step away. This is the world we live in. You ready? It gets better. I'm sure Pence would say that he's just being careful, but I wonder if he realizes the discriminatory consequences of his rule. Over his career, he's had many colleagues and employees. With the male employees, he can have complex relationships that traverse work and social context, build trust, and eventually help their careers. A woman who hopes Pence would have been a mentor to her, on the other hand, wouldn't be able to avail herself of those opportunities since he can't even have lunch with her. So either be alone with them and get me, hashtag me too dropped on you, Or don't be alone with them and be called a fundalist Muslim. A fundamentalist. What am I, fundalist? What is that? that ain't even a word. I said that like four times. In the, why didn't you tell me? Fundamentalist. I'm not illiterate. Fundamentalist. I knew I was reading it wrong when I was reading funda, fundamentalist. There is no lengths you can go to to protect your marriage. And you have to know that whatever I install in my life is going to be mocked by the culture. But we are not even almost interested in governing our marriages inside the kingdom of God with even almost the same set of rules that they govern theirs in the kingdom of this world. You hearing what I'm saying? You have two jobs to cultivate it and to guard it, both simultaneously. I know people that are hardcore on guarding their marriage, right? They guard their marriage. They would never cheat on their spouse, but they're also not very nice to them either. 
They don't cultivate it. I need somebody to help me this morning. Where are you at, Goldie? Come on, let's preach a minute. Right? And then I know people that cultivate it. They're in love, but they have no protections around them. And I have seen them. I have seen them. I've thought, you are setting yourself up for a disaster if you don't reel some of that stuff in. I know you're in love, but you've got to be smart. Be wise as a serpent and harmless as a dove, your Bible says. So there are two primary areas in our life that we have to establish some, some, uh, some, some, some guardrails, some protections. We have the two areas we have to establish some guardrails to keep this thing from running off the ditch. And that's what I came to talk to you about this morning. The first guardrail. Now listen to me, listen to me. If you disagree, that's fine. Just, just grin and bear it. The first guardrail we have to guard, we have to install, we have to establish is the guardrail over our emotions. Listen, I'm not even saying your physical relationship because it starts in the mind before it manifests in the hotel room. You hearing what I'm saying? Emotional affairs, emotional infidelity, there we went, got weird again. Emotional infidelity is the new Christian way to cheat. Because at least we still have the deniability that we've not had sex and been physical with each other. So I don't know why the spouse is getting all upset because nothing's happened. And for women, statistics prove that for women, emotional affairs are actually more meaningful. Because now they know it's not just about the physical aspects of the relationship. They're really into me for me. So it's the new Christian version of infidelity while we can still stand up and look our kids in the face and say, nothing happened. There is a clear pathway. I have, I've, I've, I've talked, I've, I can't tell you the amount of couples that I've walked through this situation with. There's a clear pathway to how this happens. And there are some telltale signs. There's some, some red alarms that the culture would tell you is normal, and it's not. All right? Number one. (laughs) When you have any conversation or communication with somebody of the opposite sex that you would not want your spouse to see, it's not harmless. That's a lie. That's a seed being sown that's going to cause your life to unravel if you're not careful. And, I, and I've, I've talked to people like that. I've counseled people through these kinds of situations. And this is normally the, the foolish and immature, petulant kickback that I get from people when I say, you got to have this in your life and you got to have that in your life. And they will say something foolish like this. Well, I'm not going to have any fun. Let me tell you what's not fun. Standing in front of a judge going through a divorce, that's not fun. That's not fun. Having to look your kids in the face and explain to them why mommy and daddy's not going to live together anymore and their whole world's turned upside down, that's not fun. I think you can do without sending somebody a text privately if that's your definition of fun. 
So when you have conversations or communications with you, it's going to be like this the whole day. Buckle up. When you have conversations or communication with your with someone else of the opposite sex that you would never want your spouse to see, you have stepped over the line. You've stepped over the line. Your spouse should be able to have every password you got. Every email, don't be having no fake email accounts, no secret email accounts. Every tech, your spouse should be able to pick up your phone at any moment without you freaking out on the inside. Oh God, I hope they don't see that. When that flares up on the inside of you, that is proof that you know you've crossed the line. And if you don't get that stuff handled, it will unravel your life. It'll unravel your life. Number two. When you are getting dressed for the purpose of impressing someone of the opposite sex, you know you're doing it when you stand in front of the mirror. When you wonder, I wonder what he's going to think about this dress. (laughs) I ain't getting no help. When you wonder, I wonder if he'll like this. I wonder when you are secretly getting ready to draw the attention of another person, you've crossed the line. Right? You want me to keep going? Good. (laughs) When you are deleting communications or having secret communications, over half of the divorce petitions filed in America today cite Facebook as one of the problems. I read an article about a married couple in the UK that they would sit in the living room together. He would sit in his chair, she would sit on the couch, they'd be on their phones or on their computers. And he was communicating with another woman. She was communicating with another man that wasn't her husband. He was communicating with another woman who wasn't his wife. They set up a meeting. When they got to the meeting, it was each other. (laughs) They got divorced. (laughs) Could you imagine... To have been a fly on the wall. I'm letting my thoughts out. I'm letting my thoughts, I got to pull them back in. When you have secret communications that your spouse don't, get rid of that fake email account. You have no, get a joint email account. Call it dosfamilyrules at gmail.com. Whatever you got to call it with a Z, that's right. Whatever you got to call it. But it is something you have to do to, to install some protections in your marriage. Because your job is to cultivate it and to guard it. If you do not guard that garden, I promise you the snake is always trying to get in. You hearing what I'm saying? If you do not build some protections around that, the serpent is always trying to get in and will start talking to you. Don't be so over the top. Don't be so, I want you to be radical. I want you to be obnoxiously overprotective of your marriage. Don't, don't text somebody of the opposite sex unless you include your spouse in it. I don't care if it's like, what time's the meeting? You hear what I'm saying? Don't do it. Don't do it. Now, let me keep going. When you create, when you purposefully and intentionally create opportunities to be alone with them, you've crossed the line. When you catch yourself having romantic or sexual fantasies about somebody else other than your spouse, you've crossed the line. You've crossed the line. 
Let me give you this one. When you mentally compare your spouse to the other person, you are in dangerous territory because she will always be prettier. And when your mind gets that twisted, she will always be prettier than the woman you've been married to for 30 years and has been the mother of your children. And you, for some reason, you will be oblivious to the fact that she's been married four times and can't keep a relationship longer than five minutes and has lost 18 jobs and is dysfunctional, but she's hot. He will always be nicer to you than your husband in your mind when you start comparing them. He will always be more romantic to you than your husband in your mind when you start comparing them. He will always have more money than your husband in your mind when you start comparing them. Is that really what you want, money? Is that really what you want? You think a vacation on the other side of the world is going gonna, is gonna to quell that gnawing on the inside of you that knows I have just obliterated my entire life and made the worst decision of my life and I'm probably not even going to be with this guy in six months, but I've destroyed everything? Is that what you want? Some money? Some money, some vacations? Is that what you want? Y'all with me? You made a permanent decision because of a temporary frustration and now there's no going back? 80% of the people that get divorced in America 10 years later regret that it happened. 80% of the people that cheat on their spouse 10 years later regret that they ever did it. And they all say, if I knew then what I know now, I would have made a different decision. And I'm trying to be a voice of wisdom crying in the street saying, there are some little areas in our life where the serpent can get in that is our job to vehemently protect against it. Because you are setting yourself up for disaster. It is not harmless. It is not playful. If you are a flirt when you are single, you don't get to be one now. Knock it off and grow up. That's just my personality. Change your personality. Right? Can I get an amen? Change yourself. Grow. Put that stuff to the side. I've talked to people like that. I've talked to men like that and women like that. Well, I've just always been a player, man. It's just who I am. Then you need to get on the altar till it's not who you are anymore. I've just always been for I'm friendly. You're not friendly. You're letting everybody know that. Well, <laughs> you're letting everybody know that the open sign is still on the door. And that's putting it mildly. That's putting it in my pastor speak. <laughs> oh, the things I edit before I say them. Let me give you this last one on emotional infidelity. When you mentally begin to prepare for a new life with the other person, you've crossed the line. You've crossed the line. And in my experience, emotional infidelity is harder to cut off than physical infidelity. Because you go into a hotel room one night and you walk out and you don't think about it again. But when your heart's gotten involved, you have to make sure you never go there 
in your mind. Even on the worst days of your marriage, when y'all are fighting and arguing and you got kids and you got financial trouble and you lost your job and she did this and she made you mad and he did that, even on your worst days, you cannot let yourself go there in your mind. Because if you do, it is very difficult to come back. Hearing what I'm saying? So we're going to talk. That's the first guardrail. I love the commentary. I love it. The first guardrail is you have to guard your emotions. You got to guard your thinking. You got to guard your thinking. That's why pornography is not harmless. It's not harmless. And no, everybody does not do it. There is a culture that is, that, is, that is trying to promote the notion that pornography and masturbation is completely normal and even healthy. Are you... Are you insane? It's not normal. And when you do that, you open yourself up. And that spouse that you've got that has spent all day taking care of your kids, they'll never be that person. They'll never be that person to you. And that frustration will grow and grow and churn and churn. And you'll find yourself one day living a fantasy in your own mind that there is no reality for it. You do know that's not real, right? Or when you read that pornography as a woman and you want a man like Fabio to come and... <laughs> y'all don't even remember Fabio. You want him to come and just sweep you off your feet, right? You want, you want the notebook. He worked a 12-hour shift at the plant. And, had, and was dog cussed by his boss before he left. And you want to know why he doesn't come in swinging like Tarzan in a loincloth when he gets home? Because you read it in the book and watched it on the movie. On. I'm preaching right. Hey Amen. This is probably, we might need to create a space for children during, the, during these marriage teachings. It just dawned on me that my 12-year-old daughter's in here, so. Play on your phone, honey. Play on your phone. Don't listen to that. <laughs> huh? <laughs> All right. <laughs> so you have to protect the emotional side. You have to protect your emotions. You know what needs to be coming in your mind about your spouse? This is what needs to be coming in your mind about your spouse. Everything God says about them. Everything God says about them. And God's never going to get offended at them. And God is not obsessed with criticizing them and fixing them and changing them nearly as much as we are. Right? God calls them loved. God calls them honorable. God calls them a child of God. God calls them anointed and worthy of love and respect and, 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 and that we should walk before them. And that's what God says about them, and that's what we should keep coming in our minds. Okay, let me, let me go to the next one. I'm, I'm running out of time. So we have to protect the emotional aspect of our marriage, which is huge. Now, this is probably going to tick you off even more, which is, is all right. The second guardrail is you have to guard the friendships that you keep. Not be, I'm not talking about friendships of the opposite sex. I'm talking about friendships of the same sex. Listen. Because those voices have influence over you. 
And if you allow them to, they can draw you away from your family and destroy your life. And then they're not going to be there to help you pick up the pieces. So (laughs) you have to stay away from, listen, friends that talk negatively about their spouses. You hear what I'm saying? It's one, listen, it's, I think marriages that are healthy have a, a certain degree of feistiness to them. Y'all know what I mean? It keeps it fun. Keeps it interesting. Like I will be, I'll be watching TV and Lindsay will walk in furious and say, if you don't go pick up the wet shower towel laying on the carpet, I'm going to choke you out. So I get up and I go pick up the towel. That's good. That's, 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 that's good. That, that feisty. Y'all know what I'm talking about? You know, when your wife threatens you within an inch of your life and there's a part of you in her, in you that knows she means it. <laughs> right? Like she ain't playing. Like we're in East Tennessee. She, she kill you, bury you under a mountain. And people wouldn't know for years. But when they speak disparagingly about their spouse, when they attack their spouse, when they uncover their spouse's shortcomings in front of everybody, you got to stay away from that person because that spirit will get on you. It'll get on you. You also, number two, you have to stay away from people that speak negatively about your spouse. You got to stay away from family members that speak negatively about your spouse. Sometimes you just have to stand up and say, you're going to have to shut up or we're going to have a problem. got to do it. You got to do it. My family knows you, you would, my family know they wouldn't even dare think of speaking negatively about my wife in front of me. Even if they were right, they wouldn't say it because that's not your place. Unless they're doing something destructive, I don't care what you think. Amen. And her family's the same way. She knows they don't get to touch him. They don't get to speak to him in any other way but respectfully and lovingly. And if I have to choose between my spouse or you, I pick my spouse every time. Because when I got married, I became one with her, and this bond shifted, and now in the eyes of God, my relationship to my spouse is by far more significant than my relationship with my family. I know you don't like that, but it's true nonetheless. You hearing what I'm saying? Now it's me and her against, now now, that's right, that leave your father and mother, cleave to your wife, and you will be one flesh, okay? So you have to stay away from people that speak negatively about your spouse. You don't sit around and fillet your spouse open with your best friend. If If they're willing to do that with you, they're not a friend. You need a friend that says, if you want to talk about him, I'm not comfortable with that. If you want to talk about her, I don't need to know that. Y'all need to go to counseling or something, but I'm not here to hear that. That's what a friend would say. You hear me? Is this all right? Number three, you got to stay away from people that constantly pit your time against your spouse. I've seen this happen. I've seen this happen. Why can't you come hang out tonight? Because you're always with her. She's my wife. Much better looking than you. 
much more fun. Well, now he got married. Now she got married, and now he just won't let her do anything. Maybe she don't want to. And maybe you should respect it. <laughs> and and I, I would and maybe if you're maybe if you'd get married, you wouldn't feel this way. Maybe if you got married, you'd be MIA too. <laughs> right? Married folks are horrible at hanging out. We don't have no time. We see each other for 30 minutes. We're like, all right, next month. <laughs> Jobs and kids and spouses and lives. You cannot let people pull and make a demand on you to such a degree. I think it's good to go out and have your boys and go out and have your girlfriends. I think all that's healthy and normal and you need that. But when people start pulling on you to the detriment of your nuclear family, you have to stop that. You have to shut it down. Now, that leads to this. Let me give you this. You have to be careful being friends with people that are in different stages of life than you are. When you're 35 and got three kids, your best friend doesn't need to be 20. But they're so free. They don't have a life. They wake up and go to bed. That's it. The biggest decision they made today was what color to paint the nails. I've seen this happen. I have seen, I have seen people, both husbands and wives, get so overwhelmed by the pressure and the stress and the responsibility of life that a young, vibrant, single, doesn't mean you can't be vibrant when you're, you get what I'm saying. But a young, <laughs> a young single person that actually enjoys life now comes along. No, that's not what I'm saying. I've seen, I've seen people married, kids, jobs, bills, life, pressure, responsibilities get so overwhelming that a young, vibrant, single person with none of those responsibilities comes along and then they want to hang out and they want to build a friendship. And what that does is it has a tendency and an ability and a capacity to draw you away from real life. And it creates this Disney World fantasy where you can go and be Tinkerbell and be free from all of the stuff that's real life. I have seen people do it over and over and over again. I have seen people get so overwhelmed with the pressure of being an adult. I, I've actually noticed this. When we were at the Bible, when we were leading the Bible college, and if, and if you believe this, if this is your worldview, that's fine. That's fine. Just hear me out, and you can tell me how wrong I am out front later. All right. <clears throat> we had this, this whole thing. I'd never heard of this before. When we were launching the Bible school, I was thinking, you know, kids fresh out of high school are going to come and be part of the Bible school, be trained for ministry, and go be out in ministry. Most of the people you see leading worship, up here, former Bible college students. And that wasn't the case. It was people 25 and 26 years old and 27 years old and 28 years old. And I was thinking, what's, what's going on here? And they, they said, oh, these are our gap years. I'd never heard that phrase. I was like, what's a gap year? That's the gap between high school and, you know, life where you're figuring yourself out. And I was like, you need eight of those? 
I mean, if you want to take a summer and go to Europe, that's fine. But I mean, you can't even be on your own parents' insurance anymore. I mean, come on. Huh? It's this gap here. I'm trying to figure myself out and just, you know, just working through some things. And it was interesting because 30s become the new 20. Right? Most of y'all check out time when you were a kid was 18. Some of you is younger. He's like, 18? Shoot, I was running a business at 18. <laughs> like a 15. But I notice we do these things in an effort to delay adulthood. And then when we reach adulthood and it's challenging, we have to be careful not to look for an escape through friends. That's why you have to be careful. I'm not saying you can't be friends with you. You have to be careful how deep you go in friendships with people that are in different stages in your life because they will woo you away from what is your life and try to lead you into something that's not your life, and it will end up destroying you. And what you don't see happening is they're not going to stay there forever either. They're going to have to grow up at some point too. Let me get, can I, I've got a bunch more. I'll give you, I'll give you a couple of more. Let me give you one more. You cannot, uh, the worship team can, can come on up. You cannot be friends with people that just hate marriage in general. You can't do it. People that automatically have a negative view of what marriage is like. The old ball and chain. <laughs> you cannot be friends with those people because they will sow seeds into you of animosity towards your marriage to the point that you think life and freedom is on the other side of me dissolving this. And you have no idea what you're in for. No idea. Had a friend, a great worship leader. If I said his name, everybody in here would know who he is. And uh, he was going through a divorce. His wife um, was unfaithful. And I don't mean once. I mean blaringly, openly unfaithful. She wanted a divorce. She'd gotten hooked up with uh, people that had never been married, never had kids. They were, they were married. They were kids. They were in ministry. They were doing their thing. And this group of friends that she had had none of that. They were just, you know, just so free, so happy, so, you know, I don't know what the cool language is that they use, but you get my point. And so they go through a year and a half of absolute, utter hell judges and divorce petitions and fights and mediations and settling assets and who's getting the kids when and who's getting paid what and who's getting the house and who's getting the car and who's getting the coffee maker and who's getting the spatula and who's getting all this stuff. So they divorce. And so she's still in this relationship, living life, posting everything on Instagram, how she just couldn't be happier. He finds another girlfriend later on. They get engaged. All of a sudden, his ex-wife calls. What are you doing? <laughs> You're like, really? What are you doing? What do you mean when I'm going on with my life? You can't. You can't.
can't go on with your life without me. This is what you thought you wanted. And now it's nothing that you wanted. And you know how you got here? You let the wrong people talk to you. That's how. You let the wrong people influence you. You let the wrong people sow seeds into you about marriage and about life and what it should be. I'm saying some of the stuff I see on Instagram, I, 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 don't, I don't get it. I'm like, adulthood is going to punch you. I'm talking about a throat punch from another world. I'm just thinking, what are you, you this, this, isn't, this isn't Cinderella's castle. And this isn't a dream, this is life. And when people try to draw you into a fantasy, it becomes alluring. And you've got to be able to detect when they're speaking truth and when they're speaking deception, then you have to be willing to cut off the deception no matter how hard it hurts to lose the relationship. Hearing what I'm saying? We have to set guardrails over our emotions and over our friends. I want the kind of friends in my life that think marriage is the most wonderful God-given gift on the planet, right? I want people in my life that think kids are the most wonderful God-given gift on the planet. I know people that hate kids, like just don't like them. That's fine, but I love mine, and we can't hang out, okay? Y'all get what I'm saying? You've got to guard those voices because those voices will influence your emotions. And if those two guardrails are not kept in check, this will drive off the ditch before you know it. And it hurts more than you think it does. Hurts more than you think it does. We even installed something in America now called the no-fault divorce. Just You can get divorced just because kind of over it. No fault. Nobody did anything wrong. We just ready to move on. Trade you in for an upgrade. And it's devastating lives. It's crushing families. It's painful to children. And again, if you've been through that, I'm please hear me. I'm not, I know there are there are situations that are unavoidable. I know there are people, I have dear friends of mine that have been through divorces, that they did every single thing in their power, and there was nothing else they could do. I, 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 I'm, my heart breaks and aches for those people. There's not an ounce of condemnation or one stone being thrown at you whatsoever. Whatsoever. I'm talking to people that are married, and you have no right, you have no right to give up on your covenant just because it gets hard from time to time. Amen. It got weird all of a sudden. I don't really care. You have no right. Well, I don't love her anymore. I don't care. You made a covenant. Start talking different and thinking different, and that love will resurrect on the inside of you. Maybe that love's dead because of the words you've been speaking so much. Right? You have no right. 
Got to guard those two areas. If you guard those two areas, if you guard those two areas and you cultivate your marriage and you set up those guardrails between your emotions and who you allow to speak into your life, marriage can be heaven on earth. Amen? Hashtag relationship goals. Stand up on your feet. Lift your hands to the Lord. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your grace, your love, your forgiveness, your mercy. Thank you for your truth. Thank you for your rebuke. Thank you for your challenge. Thank you for your charge that you give us to cultivate, to guard, to protect the covenant that we've made. Father, show us any area in our life where there's an open door. Show us any area of our life where the serpent is trying to attack our covenant. We want to guard this garden called our marriage and our family. We want to guard it with our lives. I bless every spouse in this room. I bless every marriage in this room. I bless every family. I bless every home with the peace and the love and the blessing and the smile of God, the favor of God over every, over every family unit in this room. I declare strife cannot exist, quarreling cannot exist, division cannot exist, frustration, anger, animosity, hidden secret resentments, they have to go in the name of Jesus. And I declare grace and mercy and forgiveness permeates every home and every family represented in this room. If you agree with me, shout hallelujah. If you agree with me, shout hallelujah. Thank you for listening to this week's message. If you enjoyed this podcast and would like to give, please visit hopeunlimited.church slash give. To stay connected, follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Hope Unlimited Church.